0: tuning in to another episode of the push through podcast i'm your host keisha reeves i'm a licensed professional counselor with a group practice here in atlanta georgia where i specialize in women as well as maternal mental health here on the podcast we'll talk about womanhood motherhood and a little bit of everything in between so sit back relax and enjoy a quick chat with me hey guys Welcome to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. Today, I wanted to do a catch-up episode because it's been several months since I just sat down in front of the microphone and actually spoke to everyone about what's been going on in my world. And I've done interviews. I have two interviews already scheduled to go out in the next couple of weeks and more to come um, with some really, really awesome people and awesome perspectives. And I thought it was very important (laughs) that at least I catch you up with some things that's going on 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 my side of the world and exciting things and also some real um, mindful perspective growth thoughts Um, I'm not intending for this to be a long episode. I have some notes of some things that I've been jotting down. Um, But first, let's get started. So I think the top of the thing that has happened is that my family and I moved out of our old home. I think I might have shared this. At the end of last year, maybe, um, maybe I just wrote it in, in the newsletter. If you aren't subscribed to the newsletter, please go to the website at Push Through Mom um, and sign up and I'll put the link in the show notes. I have a lot of links I'm going to put in today's notes um, so that you can stay abreast of what's what I have going on, events, things that I like, things of interest, um, but all in all, we moved and we lived with my mother-in-law for four and a half months. And at first, um, I wondered like how the move was going to be staying with my mother-in-law. She's a wonderful person. But I wondered if we were going to be cramped or just all over the place because we were living outside of the city where we're originally were living, which is where uh, is a home base for most things, like where my youngest went to daycare where my son goes to tutoring and then where my oldest goes to school it's like in between our old house and my mother-in-law and then if we were just going to be cramped living together but it was actually a very pleasant experience and the time went by really really quickly and something that's kind of like the the point of this episode is about like intuition being mindful thoughts and things that kind of can like guide you so You know, I don't share a lot about myself in general. Some things I do, some things I don't. But just as a therapist, um, you know, it's never really about the therapist. It's more so about the client. Um, But something that is a big part of who I am is that I am an avid learner. I love to learn. And I think I've shared in previous posts and podcasts is how I'm very mindful about social media I'm not really active on it. I used to feel bad about not being active on it because whenever there were trends or whatever challenge or whatever gossip on the shade room, I would be completely unaware because I'm just not on it. And I've had interns manage my social media. I may post, but I don't scroll. And if I'm intentional as far as like, oh, I haven't seen what's been up with so-and-so, let me go to their page. I may just go straight to their page just to see like pictures of them and their family or what they're up to and then get off. But if I have moments where like I'm waiting in a waiting room or you know I'm in my car or something like that and and there's this desire to do something, typically I go to the news app and I'll read that. And I'm also very mindful of what plugins I have on the news app because, like I've also talked about before being mindful of the intake of news and media that you take in because it can impact your mental health. Finding a balance between being informed, but also what is too much. And in 2020, um, for me, the news was too much um, to where it definitely increased my anxiety. I had to take a break. Um, I think I was running almost every day just to get it out. So a lot of what's on my news app that I've curated with my algorithms is like architectural digest, home decor, science, psychology, um, and meditations. In addition to some celebrity gossip and some like international news, definitely motherhood and mental health for sure. Um, But the part of me that is huge in addition to me being a learner is I love learning about the world, the universe, and science. Like it just makes my heart sink to be able to wrap my mind around the fact that we are a blip in a bigger picture. And sometimes I may get caught up in, you know, just the injustices, what goes on in my community, and my country, which is unfair and something that we don't have the privilege to ignore or turn an eye to, but I also find grace, if that's the right word, and the fact that there's so much else going on and for me not to put too much attention into the things that make me feel very frustrated and angry because I will overlook the blessings and the beauty that are beyond This place that I'm standing in at this moment. If that makes sense is what I'm saying. Because I always look at life as just being like this gift. And our time here is so short. One of my best friends were texting me the other day. About how the days are long. And the years are short. That infamous quote. Which is so, so true. When we look at our kids and how they've grown. Or when I even look at myself. And how 40 is around the corner. But... Um, I don't want to just negate how there's so much to learn, so much to see, to experience because I'm given the gift of being here and I don't want to live in fear because that's been a huge piece of my life for a long time Um, and in a lot of our lives. Rather it's because of trauma that we've experienced, rather it's because of ignorance Rather, it's because of um, not knowing or or haven't been educated on. Whatever the reason, a lot of us move or make decisions out of fear. And I have been very intentional over the past year of trying to become more fearless in a lot of different areas. But with that, I believe in intuition. I believe in manifestation. I believe in positive self-talk. I always try to pour that into my clients. You know, speak it until you believe it. Even if you say it, keep saying it until you believe it. Because you, you totally convince yourself of the negative. You totally convince yourself of the worst case scenario. But what if you convince yourself of the best case scenario? And another quote that I love, because I write down quotes that stick to me, was taking two steps forward and the universe will meet you there. And I hold on to that one because I definitely believe it. I believe a lot of things that have happened to me has been because I've spoken into existence and I've also worked very hard to get there. I don't believe manifestation is like rubbing a genie and then they come up and they grant your wish. I I definitely believe. Someone was also saying this to me, a quote from, or Bible verse rather, Um, About how, you know, faith basically doesn't exist without the work that happens behind it. Um, That nothing is a magic trick. And I say all of that to say (laughs) um, there was like going back to the to the to the original topic of what I was talking about, because I totally got off topic. Before we moved, I was very anxious about the move because I just didn't know. There were so many things that was in the air. And and if anyone's ever closed on a new home, especially in this crazy market, um, how you can just be very anxious. And you just don't know how the cars will fall. You don't know what this move, this temporary move going to look like. How it's going to function with work. How is it going to function with your kids? How are you going to have structure? All of those things. And I had had this dream and someone spoke to me in the dream and said, just be humble and full of gratitude and the move and everything will work out. And I woke up the next day and, and that was like, that was it. Like that, that was the piece. That was the mantra. That was the self-talk. And I, I, I told my mom, I told my husband, I was like, yeah, this, 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 Voice said to me in my dream, just be humble and full of gratitude, and everything will work out. And when we moved, I just kept saying to myself, Gosh, I'm so grateful that we have somewhere to move to that we don't have to pay for. You know, Airbnbs are super expensive, renting an apartment month to month. Um, or trying to stay in some VRBO in someone's guest house or something. It's a stranger. Just all of that nonsense. Yes, my mother-in-law didn't live in the city in which we came from, but she was only like 30 minutes away. Um, So it wasn't even too much out of the way. And I got to grow my relationship with her, learn things about her, um, really, really enjoy her actually. The kids got to spend more time with her. Um, we celebrated my youngest's birthday together um, at her home. And it was a nice experience. <laughs> and and with that, the cards fell into place. And we moved into a beautiful home, our forever home. And even while we were staying at my mother-in-law's, because we saved so much money, because we were there for four and a half months, um, I was able to... You know, save a lot of money and, and buy things ahead of time so that we could move in and have our bed and have my youngest's bed and pay for the move because moving can be very expensive. Um, although, pacing ourselves as we are continuing to put the house together, um, having some necessities up front was such a blessing. and. I'm I'm trying to always just like move in that in that place, and and I've always been a very intuitive person, and in listening to my intuition and what my body tells me, what my mind tells me, what my gut tells me, because um, sometimes I feel like our souls, our bodies, ourselves, and the universe are all interconnected. We just don't listen all the time. So that happened. That was an update. The other big thing was, so you know, I specialize in maternal mental health. Um, and I submitted a proposal to Postpartum Support International, the conference, and this was our, their 35th anniversary conference, and also the first that was in person since the beginning of the pandemic. I sent a proposal to do a presentation on, um, mental health and infertility for black birthing parents. And it was a very passionate topic for me because over 2021, 2020, Throughout the pandemic, I had gotten an influx of clients trying to conceive and dealing with infertility on different levels. And because of the pandemic and how it impacted them, um, rather, if it was moving appointments, transfer dates, um, if they caught COVID, if something happened at the office, just all of the precautions on top of what was going on in the world, how it was impacting their mental health, how they felt about themselves. Society, just the whole gamut. It was just this influx. And it's so much shame, and they don't have anybody they feel like they can talk to but their therapist. And I wanted to do this presentation to make more people aware, to really broaden the conversation, because we do talk a lot about postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, although not enough. I say a lot as in comparison, more than the latter. Um, But there's definitely not much talk on the shame associated with infertility and how it impacts your mental health, your anxiety, your depression, your self-image, your marriage, your communication, all of those. The grief of what you thought your life would look like and what it does look like and how to accept that, all of those things. And so it was definitely a career high to have had the proposal accepted and to be able to fly out and present And meet some amazing people. And um, I'm someone who I am an introvert, I am a very shy person. I do not consider myself as a great public speaker. Uh, I I would like to be, I'm working on it, I'm considering doing Toastmasters. I want to be able to just be one of those TED Talk folks that can get on a stage and just really wow people with my voice. Even doing the podcast, when I first started it, I was like, people will like fall asleep because all I've ever been told is that I have a therapeutic voice that people want to go to sleep on. And that isn't something that's encouraging when you're trying to like keep people's attention and talk to them about research. But this year with doing research, gathering research, doing presentations, I did a Black Maternal Mental Health presentation in February that had a great turnout. Um, And then doing this one in New Orleans. And while out in New Orleans, and I went with my best friend, uh, we made a trip out of it. Um, I got a tarot card reading that was pretty inspiring. We listened to a live band perform. That was so good. We went to museums, learned about history, ate food. And it was so, so good. Such a great trip. Very, very great trip. And it really reinforces those things that feel good to me. You, When I talk about like self-care and I talk about the trend of self-care and how people think of it as getting their nails done, their lashes done, their hair done. Um, but self-care can be so many things because it's about what makes you feel refreshed and refueled and inspired and a good reset for you to give you clarity and to release the tension. And I felt so full. Um, even friends, conversations, with certain friends, make me feel full. Um, Two people I had come over, one of which was Crystal, who did our previous episode, the episode before this one. I had texted her that next day, um, cause she had came over for dinner. I had cooked and um, we had recorded the podcast and had wine and caught up. And I just felt so full afterwards. Like it was just so refreshing. And, um, someone else, my sister-in-law had come over and, um, we had talked about some writing that I had been doing and she was supposed to be here for like two hours and it ended up being like four hours (laughs) and like the, the time felt like it had not moved and, um, we laughed and we cried and we hugged and we laughed some more and it felt so full and, I just always want to make sure I live life with that. Things that make me feel fulfilled is traveling, family, friends, good food, good wine, um, music, culture, and experiences. That just makes all feel well. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about um, is a podcast that I had listened to recently. Well, put a pin in that. Let me go back. The other thing that's as far as I update, my oldest started kindergarten. Um, that was a transition. We were preparing for it though, because the school that he goes to had like two parent meetings over the summer. And um we kind of got like our minds wrapped around it because he's gonna be having like homework and projects and stuff like that. So I had to like get my schedule together, get my get my mind right to support this child. <laughs> Um, but I also recently purchased the book whole brain child. I'm going to start reading on it tonight and possibly if I can finish it in the next couple of weeks, I'll give my review on it. But just really learning as my child becomes older, how to support him, both of them and in their development and them being able to express themselves, communicate, and support them through each stage of their life. And I've always tried to be very intentional about really instilling in their self-esteem, their confidence, their voice, making sure that they feel heard. Um, when we think about our own childhoods, we can always pick out the things that we didn't get, we didn't like, um, but also being mindful of the things that our parents did do well. I think what I loved about my mom, my mom was my primary parent, my father was, A provider. And my mom was really good about exposing me to so much. She put me into theater classes, music classes. I played trumpet, piano, guitar, chorus, and I learned how to read music and acting classes. I was in plays. I did writing poetry, won like state competitions for writing short stories and essays. I was in beta club. Um, future business leaders of America, just whatever. you know, I mentioned it. She signed me up. I, I took went to camp. we we did a through our school we would do a summer trip or spring trip to the beach. So we went to Tybee, Jekyll, St. Simon's, Cumberland Island, Sepala Island, somewhere each year. and then the winter we would do a mountain trip to like Delonica um, or somewhere else up Mount. I think I only went to one mountain trip cause it just wasn't my thing, but <laughs> just really great experiences. And, um, I remember I had gotten in trouble when I was in the eighth grade with my dad and we were, our, our trip to Washington DC was coming up and I had did something very, very wrong. Admittedly, I was mischievous at this time. And as a consequence, he said, you're not going on your Washington trip. And I was devastated <laughs> because everybody was going. Well, not everybody, but majority of everybody was going. And it was such a big deal. And I and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't I cannot go. And I was trying to, like, like... Uh, get my mind wrapped around the fact that you're not going and and what will you tell your friends and and how will you get through that entire week because everybody's going to be gone. And then my mom pulled out at the last minute. She was like, yeah, and she's going. (laughs) We'll we'll find another consequence for her. And and I was one of those children where I did not like to disappoint my parents. Um, So just having disappointed him and having been in trouble was enough punishment enough for me to have learned my lesson. And then I always had this real gangster mom who wrote very hard and was a huge advocate for her children. And I love that. And I definitely took that on. But something that I want to instill with my children that not not that my my parents necessarily intentionally didn't do, but it just wasn't something that was taught to them to know how to do. Plus, they were also very hard workers. And mental health in the country in the south of Georgia just wasn't something that was discussed. But I want to make sure that my children have good self-esteem, not become arrogant, but to be confident, Um, confident to just ask questions, confident to wonder, confident to ask for help, to use your voice, to share your opinion. Not that everybody will accept it, not that there won't be consequences, but just confident in who you are, because it is amazing when we live without fear and when we are confident beings, who we can become, what we can accomplish, and I often wonder back, had I been a very, you know, well grounded, set in who I was, confident self person, fearless person, who I could have been. Um, but we can always, you know, ponder on what if, but we focus on what is, and is who I have evolved to be today. And what I can be intentional about instilling in my children. So I'll keep you posted on the book. But the last thing I wanted to talk about in our catch up is um, death. Um, this is also something that comes up in counseling, especially with parents. When you have a child and you think about life, you know, like before when you were younger, you might have like wild out been on roller coasters, jumped out of planes, you know, traveled, just hopped in an Uber and didn't ask the person who they if they were the Uber. But after you become parents, sometimes you move a little bit different. You know, you think about mortality more, estate planning, life insurance policies, you know, who would you leave your children to, all of those things and it can it can make anybody very emotional. And I was listening to a podcast that was recommended to me. It was the Angie Martinez podcast. And it was with Lauren London as the guest. And it was basically talking about how we're all going to die. And Lauren, of course, as we know, has dealt with immense grief in losing a soulmate, basically. And the way that he died, how sudden it was, and the impact that he left behind and I found the episode so inspiring um, and really profound. And like I said, I love learning. I love, although I'm an introvert and I can be shy, I also love conversation with people. I love hearing people's perspectives. Um, I feel like when you do vibe with the right person, could be a complete stranger, it could be someone you know just in passing, but the exchange of information from life experiences, the gems that can be dropped, that can be so fulfilling, that can be like self-care for me. Um, I think that's why I love therapy. Sometimes clients don't understand that there is an exchange that is made a lot of times, that therapists for sure can provide tools, strategies, be a place of that is safe to be able to vent and process um, and to help heal But clients can also inspire as well. Or also um, just being able to see the um, perseverance, the strength, the growth can be inspiring. And it can also be mindful to that therapist of what they need to do for their own lives in helping someone else. And that's just in general, like just in life, like helping people can help heal the helpers. And hearing her talk about how she, in some ways, has this new perspective about death and not having so much fear around it. And a couple of weeks ago, somehow I had started to think about mortality. Death is always something that is on my mind, not like every day in like a morbid way, but just about how short life is and how you you don't know how tomorrow isn't promised and how I just always really try to make sure everybody is set up, make sure my children know that I love them, make sure that they have what they need, um, that they're surrounded by a community and a village. So in the event anything does happen, I can feel secure that they're going to be okay. Um, I think about it in that regard because I I wonder on the flip side, because I know we think about like when people pass suddenly, but even when we think about Folks who are like in their late 90s or her, uh, in their hundreds. My grandfather lived until he was 95. My grandmother, I think she passed when she was 84. My maternal grandmother passed when she was in her early 60s. She passed from pancreatic cancer. Um, but my grandfather, who my youngest is named after, um, basically passed of old age, she had a very fulfilling life. He was in the military. He was in the Navy on a submarine. He had a very well traveled life and had done a lot as a black man born in 1912. He voted for Obama. You know, he came from segregation into seeing the first black president. He lived a very, very full life. And in thinking about that, I had wondered when you make it to that age, do you feel like you're ready? Do you feel like at peace if it comes? Do you even ask for it when it comes? When your children are grown, your grandchildren are grown, you have lived, you have lost loved ones, and do you look at the world differently? Are you ready for what's next? Or is there still that fear that is there? So it was coincidental that I got recommended this podcast just out of happenstance, didn't ask for it, just it came up and I was like, oh, okay, I love Lauren London, love her um and i i felt when Nipsey died like i remember just being like ah didn't even know the man okay <laughs> just loved the 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 music and loved you know what he represented and how he gave back to his community and just hated to see someone die such a senseless death and so listen to her talk about souls the universe ego um being in fear, all of those things, her wanting to have a lot of integrity, authenticity, how she wants to show up with her um, her children. And she said something about, you know how like I'm talking about like science, the universe, and all of that, um, souls, which is something I deeply believe in. And she was saying how our personality are, t- are attached to our souls. And when we pass, our souls just carry on. And... We keep moving, Um, and even sometimes we can have been connected to souls um, previously. And I, you guys, weirdest thing, quick story. So my youngest, Ellis, um, he was born in 2020, so he was in the pandemic. So he was at home with us for a year. We had someone that came and um, helped take care of him throughout that year. And then August, or was it June? June, 2021, I put him in a daycare that was near the house. And this was one that Ezra had been to before. It wasn't like the best daycare, but it was like the best where we live. Um, And I didn't take in consideration of what it would be like in the pandemic. Like if you were already kind of mediocre what that mediocrity can look like in a pandemic. (laughs) I didn't take that in consideration. And so, you know, they weren't letting parents into the building because of COVID. So I couldn't really like see where he was going, what his room looked like. Um, I had never met his actual teacher because she would be inside and they had someone who would bring the child out to you. And the only reason I felt somewhat okay with it because Ezra had been there before I'd been in the building before I knew like what the routine was. And some of the administrators, majority of the administrators who were there before, were still there. Um, but while Ellis was there, he was sick every week. And I tried to take in consideration that, you know, children get sick when they start a daycare. Plus, he'd been at home for a year, um, it's a part of the immune system buildup, whatnot. But it was getting like worse and worse and worse. He had RSV. He had strep throat. He had, um, uh, what else, sinus infection, ear infection, like every other week. Like every week. He was almost more at home than he was at daycare. And I noticed when I would pick him up, he would like sprint out the door. With You know how you can tell when like tears are dried, like he could have been crying all day. When I would pull up into the parking lot to drop him off, immediately would start crying. And something just didn't sit right with me. And when the pediatrician was like, I mean, I don't know what your finances look like, but if you can keep him home for a while, just so he can just, you know, adjust, like just take a minute from getting sick, I would recommend it. So he was only there for about six weeks. I pulled him out, kept him home until August 1st. And some, uh, um, someone we knew recommended this daycare that was like the next city over, which was only like 20 minutes from our house. Um, it was, when I toured the place, it was like, eh, it's okay. It was like an older home, like an older ranch style home with a basement and they turned it into a daycare. But it was small enough where it could feel very intimate. They only had maybe like five teachers. Each teacher taught an age group. So it was very limited in the number of kids they could take. Um, and they were at capacity at the time that I toured, but she told me come back in two weeks and we can see if one of the kids will move up and if there's a space for him. So I come back and he was put in Miss Marie's class. And when I tell you like, I would tell my husband sometimes like when I would talk about her, I would get emotional. It was so weird how immediately I felt connected to this woman. She's this black woman. To this day, I really don't even know what she looked like because she's only had a mask on. I've never seen this woman without a mask. I kinda know what she looked like, you know, like her eyes and the shape of her head and her hair and like her body structure, but like her nose and her mouth and chin, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure if I saw her at Target, I would assume it would be her, but she's always had her mask on. But anyway, so when I tell you he immediately gravitated to her, by by day by the end of day 1, Ellis was like, "I'm good. Like, would welcome pulling up. Would not want to leave. He would cry because I'm coming to pick him up and take him home." <laughs> okay? She would call me and would say, this was like weeks later, months later, he's been there. She was like, "Miss Keisha, Ellis just don't seem right. He just seemed real quiet today. You know, he is just not my typical baby like he has been. And I'm just wondering if he's, you know, starting to get sick or something. Um, But I just wanted to share that with you because, you know, I'm I'm mindful about his temperament. Like two days later, he had an ear infection. Um, She was just so in tune, like adored him, would send me pictures of him throughout the day. He was so happy, like loved him. And I would just—I don't know. She just felt like a family member to me. Um, I—we got her like a gift for Christmas, like a gift. Like I was like, I have to get Miss Marie something nice. I ain't getting her some little run-of-the-mill Dollar Tree gift. Like I need to let her know we appreciate you. I wrote her this long, heartfelt card. Um, she just her presence, her energy was just so warm, so parental, so maternal, um, just full of love. And and I just feel like she was definitely working in her passion. Cause you see people who work in daycares who need to be working somewhere else that don't involve people at all. Um, but she was someone who really loved what she did and you could tell. I would pick him up. He would smell like fresh flowers and face greased up, just, you know, have full, have eaten good, like just well taken care of. Diaper clean, but fresh, just, you know, like if if you could leave your child with anybody and feel confident, I just felt like the most amazing person ever. And of course he got older and he had to move up um, because she only had infants up until two years old. And they stretched it out for me because it was him and they had this great bond and we adored her. Um, But eventually for his own development, he needed to move on and not be with newborns. But when she said that about souls, I am for sure Miss Marie had to have been somebody in my past life, who I don't know. I don't know if she could have been my aunt that I have lost when I was a child, or one of my cousins. But when I talk about her, y'all, like I could cry like senselessly, right? And I would have to tell my husband, like Miss Marie probably think I'm crazy because <laughs> because I just you know like, oh Miss Marie, how are you? How have you been like just you know be thinking about her? But she is just a special person. And when Lauren said that, I that gave me goosebumps because I definitely believe that. I definitely believe that some people are so connected. I don't necessarily even believe in romantic soul mates, but I definitely believe in just people in general. Souls have crossed and have lived life together in some form. And when you connect with these people it's like kismet like it just it fits like this puzzle piece like oh that's that's where you are i i wasn't even looking for you but i'm glad that i found you again that's what it felt like um the other things that she brought up was about ego intuition fearlessness. And it also got me to thinking about how I'm always very cautious about my intentions behind things, my motivation behind things. She speaks a lot about ego, which I think is a powerful topic. I highly recommend the podcast. I'm going to put the link in the show notes so that you can have a listen to it yourself because she talks about ego in regards to romantic relationships. But I try to also consider ego in any relationship that I have with my kids, um, with my friends, with my interactions with the world, with the work that I do. Um, I think that we live in a very capitalist society that's built upon productivity. And I think that people often strive to be on the cover of Forbes and no shade to them and for anyone whose purpose and goal in life is to have like a, a number um, that they want to meet and that helps them feel fulfilled. But I think from my own, you know, life that I've lived and when I talk about fearlessness um, and the drive and motivation, I'm always trying to check those things to be mindful about ego and to be mindful about what is the intent behind this. Because I, when I look at my life in the end of what I want to feel, the impact I want to leave behind. I was talking to someone about fulfillment and how and when I knew that maternal mental health was my passion. It was when I was telling someone about the statistics of black mortality in the state of Georgia. And I was talking about how it's just sad how some folks don't even take in consideration that maternal mental health is a specialty and it's like well why wouldn't it be you know can can you imagine the transformation mentally even your brain scan will show that your brain's anatomy has changed since becoming a parent there's evidence there's proof there's there's actual like scientific data on this and how it impacts your mental health it is huge hormonally chemically environmentally, your life has changed. A human came out of you. Um, so why wouldn't it get more attention in every spectrum from trying to conceive to loss, to planned abortion, to transitioning to parenthood, to being a parent and not knowing what in the world just happened, all of it. And I noticed as I was speaking about it, I was like on a rant for like five minutes straight. And I felt like I was high, <laughs> like in every sense of the word. I just felt like the oxytocin was like gone, like it was like moving. And that's when I knew that this was like my calling, this was my purpose, this is, this is what I, I meant to do. And it was funny because my other close friend, my colleague, Tamika, we had been working together on creating our private practices years ago. And before I even became a parent, I said I wanted to specialize in perinatal mental health. And this was before I even had children. And even more so driven to do so after having Ezra because of my own experience and really understanding the importance of it. And I remember her saying, like, wow, like how even more valuable your voice is now that you're you're a mother. And I didn't know, I didn't I didn't necessarily like seek it out at the beginning, because usually like for clinicians, when you come out of school, there's eating disorder, substance abuse. Um, There is um, sexual disorders. There is um, alcoholism, drug use, anger management, children, child therapy, play therapy. No one really talked about perinatal mental health, even in grad school. Um, so it was something I definitely stumbled upon, just the trend of the clients that I saw, and then just felt like, mm, there's something there with that. There's a need for that. That is a space that isn't really tapped into, even still now. And I've always had the intention of bringing awareness, helping people. Helping people makes me feel fulfilled. I've had clients where we've been on the road of helping them manage their anxiety As they've gone through IVF, as they've gotten pregnant, as they've wanted to maintain the pregnancy because they've experienced several losses before, and then they make it to the day of and give birth, and they send me a picture of their newborn, and they say, Keisha, we did it, and literally can be crying at my desk, like, oh my God, I'm so happy. (laughs) And that just feels so fulfilling, and I'm grateful. And I know that not a lot of people do work that they want to do. A lot of people can just be doing work to pay the bills and, and ain't no, ain't nothing wrong with that. Cause I get it. Sometimes like we have to do what we have to do. Um, I know that it's a blessing to be able to find what you love. And in some ways, sometimes you you, you can even be like, I get paid to do this because it is just so, it's amazing. Um, but I say that to say finding purpose, motivation, checking your ego, the why, where I want to go at the end of this, really evaluating it. Does it align with who I am, my mind, body, soul? All of those things. So I said a whole mouthful, full. <laughs> and um, that's kind of like where I am now, full of gratitude, very grateful in life. And there is much more to come the rest of this season. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you for being here. Shoot me an email. Please let me know what you think about our episodes. If you have any ideas for any future ones. And always keep
1: pushing.